Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. As you all know, we are a Paul McCartney show dealing with the solo career of Paul McCartney. And this year we have another we another special episode where we're going to review a particular year in, in Paul McCartney's career. And we're going to go with 1980, uh, a year where he, he may not have not a Done a lot of work in the studio, but it was interesting because the year really didn't start off well, and it really didn't end well. So I thought uh, maybe we just discuss these 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 things. And uh, Andy, it's good to have you back, my friend Andy Nichols, who uh, you know is my my co-host, and I can't do the show without him. So Andy, what's going on, buddy? Welcome, brother, and it's nice to have our friends back on again to do another year in review. We had them on a yes. few months ago when we reviewed the year 1975, which was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, and an interesting year to look at, 1980, and uh, happy to have Mark and Chip back with us. So, gentlemen, thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Sure thing. <laughs> yeah. So we know Chip Chip Manninger and Mark Easter, they are the authors of the the very necessary to have in your collection book, Eight Arms to Hold You, um, years and, in in, you know, well, a couple years. I mean, Martin Chip, I mean, you, know, you worked on this for quite a long time and mark you uh you were actually the writer right you did most of the writing for this book right yeah it was a, a definitely a joint effort as far as that went but but probably i don't know percentage wise probably 70 percent of the writing you know? right and, right but you know i started in on it about 1998 until we finished okay. in 2000 so yeah so it was about two right. years of writing yeah. Gotcha. Chip, you did, you did, I mean, I, we all got to give you a lot of credit for listening to live show after live mm-hmm. show after live show uh, for the book. And, um, you know, all the work that you put into this is, as well, the research, uh, just an amazing effort from, from the two of you, uh, you know, Chip, it's it, in Mark, you know, it's a, di- it's in digital form now. Uh, you guys sold out. I mean, this book pretty much sold out. I mean, pretty quickly right i mean how many copies at first did you guys do was it thousand of the book there were three thousand copies three thousand copies right mm-hmm. and now you guys uh you know tweaked it up a little bit for the digital release and then uh chip where can you find uh the the new uh revised uh version well my handy card here you can get yes. that <laughs> and there the lenology book at lenology.com right all right, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put you guys on the spot. How how interested would you be in collaborating on updating it for the last 22 years? <laughs> it, it won't happen because I'm not willing to go through all the live shows <laughs> again. Yeah. And okay, yeah. so minus live shows, would you guys consider it? Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it depends what happens with with the the next Leninology and right. Because there's a I think even more now, there's more of a demand now because this was such a, it was published 22 years ago, whatever, and it was limited then. Now the, the world has changed now, the online marketplace. I think the demand for it would be hell, would be, the interest would be off the charts. If yeah. you, if you, guys, I think if you, if the, you problem, the problem would be that we would not just want to do the last 22 years. We'd have to go back through <laughs> the first 30 plus years again. And update mm-hmm. all the sources and and right, and, right. and and no, <laughs> no, no, and I, I don't blame you because you did you 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 did that with yeah. this book and to go yeah. back and 
yeah, it would thirty years again. Which yeah, you've plus, already done. plus twenty-two. Plus, yeah, no. Plus 22. So, yeah, plus twenty-two. Yeah, no. You look at we we uh, we hand that baton off to others who may want right. to take on that uh, that challenge. We we, <laughs> we look forward to reading their efforts. Okay, right. just, I just had to throw it out there. Yeah, so I appreciate the uh, the confidence. But. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so e yeah, so even though I know a lot of people out there, they don't want a PDF file or whatever. But this, I, I'm telling you guys, you you want this book, especially if you're a fan of the solo careers of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Uh, you get, I mean, a wealth of information. Live, you know, live shows, bootlegs. A studio session work. Um, I yeah, can't recommend. You know, once you finish your enough. singles collection that you're fetish that you're on, you can <laughs> dive into the world of bootlegs because I know you don't like bootlegs. Yes. So why don't you jump into them next? Eventually, eventually. Let's see Come here. On, I, if I can add, if I can add another, you know, you know, 40, 50, 60 years to my life, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll consider that. But, uh, but look, we we can't recommend this book enough. Oh, Again, it's called absolutely. Eight Arms to Hold You. Check out the check out the website. Um, where you can order it. We'll, we'll put the link in the descriptions below. And uh, again, please. Lenonology.com. You know, and you can also get Lenonology.com. Uh, which is a whole separate conversation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which, and um, a good one yeah, to have. Make it, yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's grab yes, this, huh? There you go. There's the Lenonology yeah. book right there. And uh, is it all, is hardcover still available or is it just paperback? Well, now? it's interesting you ask that. I. Uh, have gone through and pulled a bunch of B stock copies of the hardcover. Um, okay. You know, maybe a little dent on the corner, a little overspray on the matte finish, or something like that. And I've got them up on eBay for ninety bucks, I think. Okay. Which, and they were they were a buck and a quarter plus. Oh wow. Shipping. So. Yeah, that's right. And, and right. that's the only way to get the hardback anymore. Well, that's right. You yeah. reminded me how much I spent on that book. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, worth anyways. every cent and i yes. didn't even help write it so <laughs> there you go um andy we, we we talked about uh during the, the announcement of the uh the you know the singles box set which is going to come out on or it's probably going to ship on what what the what was second it? of uh, december the second of december thank you very much um chip we were talking a little bit about it uh, you know, you're a big singles collecting guy, as am I. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, this, this career-spanning single set? And did you get it? I, I have ordered a copy. Um, I, I'm actually excited about it because even if you do have a full collection of, of all the singles right. and picture sleeves, there are, I think, 15 or so new singles in this yes. with new artwork, new B-sides. You know, it's not like the things are unreleased, but it's a it's a way to get some of these things in physical form that haven't even been out that way yet. Like, mm -hmm. like uh, the I, I want to like, come I home. I want to come home. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, in a blink of an eye. Uh, yeah. As well. Yeah. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Mark, did this uh, interest you at all? This collection. <laughs> I, why did I have a feeling that was going to be your reaction? I'm looking. I'm looking forward to the high res digital download. Where I can okay. listen to them uh, and hear the new remastering on some of the tracks, but uh, no, I have zero interest. Zero okay. interest. Just because you feel it's just a, it's just a, it's just a rehash of stuff that people already have enough of. No, I'm just, I'm not interested in new vinyl. New uh, vinyl. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I, I collected vinyl for many, 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 many years. 
Mm -hmm. And then CDs came along and I got into CDs. And uh, the majority of vinyl that is pressed now is taken from digital files. Digital, yep. Um, So it's like, you know, whoopee. What are we doing? So now I get to go back to, you know, dealing with pops and cracks and, and, warps and all the junk that i hated for all the years that i collected vinyl and would take copies back and back and back i'm really looking forward Mm. to the uh debacle that this is going to be for all those people who oh well my you know 10 singles out of this are are warped and am i going to get replacement (laughs) copies for you know this or that or or my picture sleeve is messed up or you know so have fun guys but uh, i look forward to the nice (laughs) simple uh, high res download that will. Be you would hope that the McCartney camp would have some quality control over the stuff like that and make sure that the three thousand oh, yeah. that are being made are made well. We're not talking mm-hmm. about something that's five hundred thousand pressing. This is the yeah. three thousand are being made. So you would hope that it's vinyl know, that is being shipped all around the world. I'm going to take a shot at Universal here yeah. in that my revolver box has a stereo disc in the mono sleeve, mm-hmm. and I'm. Haven't jumped through all sorts of hoops to even try to get oh, a Oh, what fun. You know, I haven't had any issues whatsoever with my no? five Not, CD oh, set. CD or vinyl chip? Vinyl. The vinyl. Surprise. Mm. <laughs> to Mark's point. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway. It's not like I can just go out and buy one and slip right. it in. It's yeah. And yeah. Right, you know, again, it's not I'm not saying this is the big fat I mean, price wise and for what it is, for those who want it, hey, have at it, you know. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. But you know, not for me. So yeah, well, like I said, you know, while we were live talking about it, I totally understand why, you know, price point or or interest or you already have all of these. You know, I totally get why people wouldn't buy this this set. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's an incredible set. That's something that I think is worthy of of putting out there. Um, uh, also, one other thing before we get into nineteen eighty. Uh, we we all know that uh, Paul's animated uh, show is coming soon from Netflix, High in the Clouds. Do we expect music for that? Because I do believe he did record um, with Lady Gaga during the Egypt Station um, sessions for for this uh, song. Do we expect a, an album or a soundtrack uh, for or just a single? What do you think, Mark, on, on music for this High in the Clouds animated show? I, I honestly don't know. I have no idea. Chip? I, I think they're going to issue uh, McCartney 3 again. <laughs> Re-reimagined. Right. Yeah. yeah, and unless there's anything really... I mean, I know it's soundtrack music, and Tom, I know, like, you... I really have no interest in it. Unless he's singing on it, if it's some instrumental music, great. I really... Yeah. Yeah. I could care less about High in the Clouds. Unless yeah. he's singing on it, I really don't care. Yep. And mm-hmm. frankly, uh, these days, if he is singing on it, I really don't care because the voice is gone. But right. uh, but yeah. there you go. Yeah. Grumpy the Mark on a Sunday. Voice is gone. Like another co-author, I know. <laughs> Tell me I'm right. wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I I, I think everybody knows that the yeah. voice is is not what it was. I think he's 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 adjusted i mean his singing and the songs that he thinks that he sings i think that he's adjusting to his voice and i think he's doing that in a fine matter but yeah i mean he's never gonna sing a maybe i'm amazed kind of song again 
and no, I don't I, expect that. But just stick yeah. stick to. St- I you, would. I guess I'd if, be, you, yeah, if you just, wrote decent songs to go along mm-hmm. with that, I would say great. But uh, well, three we is not an example of of great songwriting. Right. This is why right. we're not updating eight arms. Exactly. No, and uh, listen, unless, I, unless, yeah, the, my the, my last positive review would be for chaos and creation in the backyard. And, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that. people consider that his last masterpiece mm-hmm. for sure. You know, chaos and creation. Yeah. But anyway. but I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Hey, no, I love the honesty. I really yeah. do. And, and you know, and I know the Ringo albums get a lot of flack too. I mean, well, a lot deserve, of people de- deservedly so. Yeah, <laughs> deservedly so. Don't get me started with the EP crap and the same tired formula for twenty years and charging fifteen dollars for four songs. Yes, no, indeed. no. At least his voice no. sounds okay on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true too, Mark. At least Ring- his voice Ringo, okay. you know, the best looking Beetle and the best sounding Beetle now in night two thousand twenty two. Well, I think that's when does this go out, guys? What's when, that? When does this go out? Next uh, next Saturday. Okay, I was gonna say the. Uh, uh, the Ringo album, Deluxe Edition, coming up. Really? 1973. We're going to get a yeah. Deluxe uh, next year for the 50th anniversary. I'm not sure when it's going to be, but but Ringo has uh, tipped his hand. and Now that's something worth getting, not four yes. freaking EPs. Yes. Yeah. Look forward to that. <laughs> yeah. All right. That, well, you, you heard it here first, folks. Thank you, Chip. Uh, Where did he tip now, his hand? Now, we can only get... Uh, um, now, if we can only get uh, Lennon's, uh, you know, least popular album. <laughs> nah. Yeah. I wish I knew something about that, but I, I don't have anything to add. Chip, well, I mean, I know I others. Made, I made, oh, um, go ahead. Chip, where, go did, ahead, uh, where did Ringo tip his hand about the deluxe set without coming out? I I got it from somebody else. Oh, okay. It wasn't public. Okay. okay. Uh, it might have right. been. It, it, it might have been on his, on his you know. I don't know yeah. if he does Instagram or any of these other things that kids nowadays right. use. But. Right. I do know that um, uh, Patty Smith, I think this was that her name, She uh, there was reports that one of her songs that had the N-word in it was uh, scrapped from Spotify. So I just, I just, it's just hard to see whether whether you put the song in context or not that this, this you know, album getting released anytime soon in a, you know, remix, remaster. Form, even though they did release it in the box set a couple years ago, you know, which I can't it, see them promoting a box right. set where that's <laughs> right. the lead single, right? <laughs> right, yeah, nope. it, it's just you know, it's something that, that thank god it's that album and not get around nowadays, they're gonna have yeah. to bury right, Mark. something else, exactly. Yeah. Mark, thank god exactly. it's that album and not you know, Walls and Bridges or Mind or, Games, or Mind right. Games, exactly. You know, it is yeah. his worst, you know, straight album, so thank god for that, right. Hmm. <laughs> All and right, you did get a remix well, of it at one point so. in 2005. Yeah. So, right, yeah. so if you got to have a remix, there it is. Yeah, and it's right. been reissued in how many if it was reissued in the 2010 box. Oh, set, yeah, yeah, you so. know, it, it's not like it's been totally erased. No, you know, it's out there. Well, if you go get it, well, go get we should have known, so, we, we should have known that this was going to happen because I don't, it wasn't included in the Give Me Some Truth uh box set. I don't think that just came out a couple years ago. No, but you had Angela, and that was it, that was it. Yeah, which like sounds right. really, really good. Yes, mm. and that just gives you a taste right. of what that material would yeah. if they had done the whole thing. Uh, you know, whatever. So, yeah. well, I'm sure they did do the whole thing. It's just not, you know, I guess the powers that be are probably putting pressure on the Lennon camp to not release it. Yeah, 
Which, and I get, Tom, that's been your point, like, all along. We've had this conversation. It's like you can't erase history. It's part of history. Right. You have to actually understand it and context and look at it. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like, you know, during the Let It Be sessions, the whole, uh, you know, Enoch Powell stuff, mm -hmm. you know, you know, and, you know, Commonwealth and, you know, the white power stuff. Yeah. You know, you put that in context, you know, piece where people can understand. And, I, you know, I think Peter Jackson did a fine job. And doing that, you know, yeah, for people to understand, you know, the direction they were going in with that song. Right. Yeah, don't so. think no Pakistanis taking people's jobs. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not just, they're not doing that to be racist, you know? No. So, but, uh, all right. 1980. Yeah. Fellas. Uh, <laughs> different, kind of a different year, you know, chip mark. You know, I was only, uh, you know, seven. <laughs> 1980 so i didn't get to you know experience this maybe as you guys did but um you i know, wasn't born into, yeah going into 1980 you would i i think you know i mean you guys are, are both uh fans of back to the egg right yeah i would can, can we say very much so yep. yeah yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I would say, I think the expectations were high for a follow-up album. Uh, you know, they did tour in late 79, but, but, um, but U.S. I'm mean, sorry, U.K. only, um, you know, with, with the talks of touring the U.S., we knew that they were going to Japan in, in, in uh, January of 1980. So let's just talk a little bit about these, uh, rehears these rehearsals and, you know, in the, what, the second week of, of January here, these, the Japan rehearsals, which is in the book, um, you can read about it. And that's why we've got them on because the guys, you know, they do an excellent job going year by year, you know, breaking down month by month, month by month. And <clears throat> yeah, day by day. <laughs> and, um, and starting with, uh, you know, you've got done what, 11 songs here that were rehearsed, um, Chip. And Mark, and starting with the one that's a little interesting is, you know, with a little luck. They actually rehearsed this. It's on YouTube. You guys yep. can, you know, see it there. Maybe we might add this, add it to, to the show here in, in post-production.
thoughts on 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 that adding that to the set list, Chip? I mean, that I think that would have been a very cool song to add, don't you think? Well, yeah, and you mentioned living this in real time. I, th right. I think I can speak for Mark here that the thing we were looking most forward to at the beginning of 1980 was to see a, a Wings tour in the mm -hmm. U.S. again. Yeah, right. And you know that it was obviously scotched very quickly. But back to your point about the uh, the uh, uh, adding with a little luck. I mean, they they gathered at this little house out in I think it was in Scotland. It's where Paul recorded most of McCartney too. It was Lower Gate Farm. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe where it was, and they were going to add with a little luck. And I think the other new one was Eleanor Rigby, maybe. Right. Yep. Yep. And I don't, I I can't recall if there were any other ads, but with a little luck would have been, you know, it'd be great to hear it, but I don't know how well that would have really worked in a live context. And we had Juber on and he said the same thing when we interviewed him. He's like, it just, we tried it, but it just didn't work out well, you know, in a live context. Nice that they thought about doing it, but. Yeah. Well, it was certainly a big enough hit and it was the biggest hit that they'd had from the last mm. time they toured as far as us right. and you know so sure the, 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 the only yeah. number one single between you know 76 Six and, and 80 and, and 80 yeah and 80 yeah good so, point yeah yeah and then eleanor rigby was a interesting decision uh to to i mean you can see that he's slowly starting to incorporate more and more right. you know beetle tracks into you know the live performance now Eleanor rigby you know for 1980 I mean, because we, we know how he's doing it now, you know, I mean, a lot of help from Wix, I'm sure, uh, you know, in the background. I don't know how, you know, if this would have been, you know, any easier or tougher to do back in 1980. But, uh, you know, voice wise, though, I'm sure it would have sounded, you know, fantastic with Paul being in, in you know, excellent, you know, singing right. back then still, you know. I don't know who would have done the keyboard part for Eleanor Rigby. See exactly right. who yeah. would have done that, right? You know, <laughs> what, are you there, what are you saying there? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think Paul's piano skills is as unique as they are. I don't know. <clears throat> he would have. He could have done something more, that. more of like an acoustic version of it, sort of yeah. like he did in anthology. Oh. You know, yeah, right? True. It's right. possible. Who knows? Yeah. Right. And then the great thing about this too is, is you know, while you're you're reading about these these rehearsals. Uh, Mark and Chip also have, you know, if you look to the right of the page, where you can find them in whether they were released officially or in bootleg form. So you've got, to, you know, this with a little luck can be heard on the Ubujiwu Part 14 uh, with the the Yellow Cat. Um, was that the name of the? Uh, That's the label. That's the label. The label, right? Yeah, yeah. They know they're all they're all Yellow Cat. I mean, how many? How many? How many editions were there, Chip, of the other Yellow Cat bootleg series for Ubu Jubu? Like sixteen, maybe. Yeah, sixteen. And and one thing that's interesting about about this these rehearsals is they are available in fantastic quality compared to what we had when we did the book. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just <laughs> okay. a moldy generated video from Japan, and now somebody's you know found a a better copy of it and have upped it on everywhere. So right, I mean. Prior to that, I can remember Ubu Jubu being aired in the 90s on Westwood One, and then you had to record it on cassette. That's how I heard some of these the, the, that stuff, Ubu Jubu, just because it was on FM radio, and you just taped it, and hopefully you kept mm -hmm. it and converted it that way. I'm sure that's what you guys, I'm sure you did that too, Chip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, some of that stuff all from, all from that time. I remember hearing it. It was that was really like wow, where he's actually playing like even the Here's Ubu Jubu, when he's actually playing demos from the Wings era. I remember hearing those at the time, thinking these need to come out. These are these are good. <laughs> this is good quality stuff. And then you know, obviously later later on, we got the you get the Ubu Jubu stuff on the Flaming Pie stuff, but still still something that has not really been officially released at all. Well, you know, obviously you got the license licensing issue. I mean, I don't. He probably didn't own every song that he played. No, no. I mean, that, I mean that would have been a lot easier if he owned every song. He can just release it himself, you know. But um, but the jet the Japanese tour. Uh, you're looking at January 21st through February 2nd. Um, bunch of dates at Budokan. Um, actually, the bulk of the show was at Budokan, right? Now the, the the dates. I mean, at that point in time, while you guys are writing it, was this public knowledge of what the dates actually were? Did you have to, um, you know, did you have to, you know, search high and low to find the actual tour dates for this uh, this tour? I think there might have been a trade ad out there mm -hmm. that listed mm. all of the shows for that. It okay. was that, or we or we found a, a production manual or something like that. But it was an, from an official listing. Okay, because then you know we, we there was talk about them touring then the U.S. later on uh, in 1980 as well, but I don't think that was ever. Was there any information out there that it was actually booked, uh, Chip, or was that no. not booked? Yeah, no. Mark. No, and okay. in fact, you know, if you <clears throat> certainly if you read Paul's thoughts on the period, and a lot of this mm -hmm. is you know obviously retrospective on his part, but. Um, he was not at all happy <laughs> during that period, end of 79. I mean, he himself mm -hmm. is not in great shape. He's, and he said this himself. I mean, he was, right. uh, you notice how thin he is. He's, yes. uh, he, he's in a lot of Coke <laughs> and this is not me <laughs> putting this on. This is out of his mouth. Um, mm -hmm. and just not in a great mood. If you see the, the interview with, uh, Tom Snyder on the tomorrow show, yeah. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he's in a, bad mood um it's you know back to the egg was the first album under this gigantic contract with columbia and it did mm -hmm. not do anything close to to what you know they the columbia or paul were hoping it would and i think uh he's just starting to get itchy feet and certainly mm -hmm. uh you know the fact that the mccartney 2 stuff was all recorded in the summer of 79 um, right. you know, he's already kind of looking toward other things. Um, mm -hmm. and he was, you know, the bad mood continued Campuchia, the, the, the concert at Campuchia in December of 79, um, you know, which ended up being the last wing shows. Yeah. Um, you know, he had to follow Elvis Costello, which was no easy task in 1979. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it, he felt the band was under rehearsed. Uh, hmm. which you could certainly hear on some of those recordings from that tour. I mean, they were fine, but it, he felt they were just not ready for prime time at that point. And plus the fact that all the Beatles reunion stuff was floating yeah. around that. Again. So, you know, I'm, that uh, he made some snide comment about John Lennon. I can't remember. It was like a, the robot or whatever they had on stage or something. And, oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, say, oh, that's right. yeah, there's John Lennon, there's your Beatles reunion or whatever. So, I mean, <laughs> um, so anyway, it, it was obvious. And then putting out Wonderful Christmas Time under the name Paul McCartney, mm -hmm. um, and just you know, in seven at 
end of 79. So, I mean, it was obvious that he was already thinking this is not where I want to continue to go. And he, you know, right. he, he had that feeling of, you know, was the, the pot bust sort of divine intervention. For him, right. Uh, yeah. Well, to, to so yeah. anyway, and that's, and again, that's, it's not me putting words in his mouth. That's, that's direct. No, right. Him, so. Yeah. I mean, he does open up occasionally about, about that period and and we're going to get into one theory in in a second too but yeah so um so they fly out to japan january 16th right uh for this tour now he talks about the amount of you know grass or whatever it is that he has the japanese customs men say they found half a pound of marijuana in his luggage officials from the japanese narcotics bureau spent the day questioning him this evening they say they're applying to have the period during which they can detain him extended while it's decided whether he'll be deported or sent for trial. If the latter, and if convicted, he could be given a seven-year prison sentence. Bob Friend reports. Paul McCartney appeared delighted to be back in Japan at last. He arrived with his wife Linda and their children. Fourteen years ago, he came here with the Beatles, but was refused entry on a later occasion because of his apparent liking for marijuana. Customs officials say that McCartney behaved oddly, and they searched his luggage. Inside, amongst his clothes, they allege they found nearly half a pound of marijuana. After several hours of questioning, the singer was taken away in handcuffs. Japan is particularly strict on drug taking, coming down hard on Japanese caught with pot in their possession. At Narita Airport, customs officials showed the confiscated marijuana to newsmen. They allege the singer admitted bringing pot into Japan, but only to smoke privately. In Tokyo, more questioning, this time by narcotics investigators. Then into a car and off to the local police station, where the singer spent the night in a cell large enough for four people. In the morning, well rested, he said, but worried about the children, McCartney went off for another session with the drug investigators. He managed a few cheerful greetings and even a wink or two for the fans who'd been following him around all day. For his fans, and in Japan there are many, the cancellation of Paul McCartney's concert tour was a bitter disappointment. A hundred thousand of them who bought tickets will get their money back. But that's scant consolation when you've waited so long. And some couldn't keep back the tears. At one time, when riot police were called to control fans besieging the office where McCartney was being questioned, it was almost like Beatlemania and the singer just couldn't leave. Narcotics investigators say Paul McCartney has broken the Japanese law. But the former Beatle has yet to give the public and his disappointed fans his own version of the affair. This is Bob Friend in Tokyo. I, I think he took the hit for Linda. Yeah, I I'm, think it's Linda's I'm, luggage. Yep, I'm with that. I think Linda was the one who felt she was untouchable. Okay, Ooh, but, but this wasn't. This wouldn't have been the first time then, because you know nope. he had already covered for Linda in the past. You got it, and exactly. would in the future again too. Yep. A couple of years yeah. later, exactly, exactly. So I think this was totally on her, and yeah, I think he he took the rap. So you've read, and I think he had plenty of time to think about his options yes during right. his, his, his what was it 10 days right, yeah. nine days yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 japanese jailbird i'm, yeah. Which I'm not seeing 
Yeah. I've never seen a copy. <laughs> yeah. I don't mm. think anybody will. No. no. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a bonus so. book in the back to the egg box. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or, yeah. I know. But it's, uh... Good luck with that. Um, you know, uh, when we did have Juber on, they said everybody still got paid uh, for the tour. So that's good. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be until, what, 90 when he goes back, uh, gets a chance to go back uh, to Japan um during that 89 90 world you know, tour right it's, mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting just to wrap up this kind of getting back to it. i know i like we love that that last back to the egg is a great album but in hindsight to mark's point maybe he could he should have just really just after like london town they should have just said that's it we're done you know to start a whole other band up again and go through the motions he should that's really should have just been in hindsight Let's just walk away. Maybe he would have been a little bit happier going into 1980. Mm-hmm. Not- I, think, I think you have a good point there. I think he felt like it was expected. And, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact of the matter is, you know, with the stray Denny Lane tune notwithstanding, Wings albums are Paul McCartney albums. So, you right. know, it's, right. it's so in the end, he was already heading in that direction, even though he's just messing around at home on this stuff. Right. McCartney too. It's it's obvious mm. he just doesn't want to go through this cycle anymore. The the right. back in the studio for X amount of time and you know right. pump out a couple albums, you know, or a, an album a year and all of that. So um, yeah, but it's it's, it's interesting a... that even though the, the he was mentally checked out, Wings was still a functioning business mm-hmm. well through into the early months of eighty one. Sure, sure. Yeah, Even though mentally he was done, he was yeah. just done, but they still kind of were like being paid, booked, rehearsals, and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, but I think right. going through the motions is the is the best phrase to use. I think he just, he wasn't quite sure think, how to, you, you think know, Paul himself was going through the motions? Is that what you're trying to say? With with the wings concept. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I agree with okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, even though, I mean, listen, I, I know Back to the Egg got its flack in its day, but I, th- I think people now reevaluate it very highly. Um, you know, I don't, I, myself, when I listen to Back to the Egg, it doesn't sound like going through the motions. Oh, uh, no, no. I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, Back to the Egg going through. I'm, I'm okay. talking about what he did post Back to the Egg. Post. Oh, post, gotcha. post okay. Back to the Egg. Okay. The, the, like the tour right, and, 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 right, and the rehearsals okay. and all. No, no, no. Back to the Egg is not, <clears throat> you know, not, not okay. at all. Because yeah. you got to remember, that's all recorded in what? In the spring of 78, right, Chip? Right, Back to the egg. Right, it was summer. It was it was over, maybe a six month period. It, right, it so sporadic. It it yeah. wasn't a. Right, so that's no. done. Then he records McCartney two in the summer of seventy nine, and now he's got to go back into all this wing stuff. Right, so you can see where he's like, oh, I got to go through this again. Right, you know, right, and that's the egg... thus the back to the motions thing. I yeah, think no, just, it's very understandable. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Good. Okay. Good point. Yeah. All right, so I mean, we've talked about all this, you know, the bust and all that stuff before. So we're not going to really get much into that. But no. uh, he's released on on the twenty fifth. Um, so then, a little bit of good news come February twenty seventh, nineteen eighty. Um, he wins, uh, or or Wings wins. Uh, he he, you know, he wins a Grammy. Grammy. He wins a Grammy. Okay, for for uh, best rock instrumental for Rockester Three. Now, uh, Mark and Chip. Um, I know they, you know, they don't really give much much awards away these days on the on the on the Grammys. I mean, I I haven't watched a Grammys show in in quite some time, but back then in 1980, they actually did televise 
you know, awards being given away. I mean, did you guys recall watching uh, this? Did you guys know he was up for a Grammy at this point in time for, in 1980? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And in fact, that was probably one of those not not telecast right. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, awards. Awards. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah because they, they give out a bunch that, of. Yeah. Earlier in the evening, we, you know, and yeah. go through the. <laughs> there you go. The technical so, stuff. Right. Exactly. Know, so. I think that was one of them. So. Uh, yeah. And, and Nanny, you said it was just it was just for for Paul. It wasn't for I mean, you imagine all the other Wings members. I think, you know, everybody that recorded that song had to have gotten a Grammy for that. Wouldn't you have thought? Well, I think I it went know. to Rockestra. I think that was, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it just the, I, I was looking at uh, Bad Bad, you know, Keith Badman's book quoted it as as right. Paul picked up the the Grammy. So whether yeah. it was billed, I mean, I was just looking at his book as a yeah, reference point on that day. Paul was there to to do that. No, no, certainly not in February no. of eighty. He wasn't traveling. No. Oh no, country. no, he was. Yeah, yeah he no, wasn't he wasn't going there to get it for anybody. They, no, no, not at all. So, <laughs> but still, hey, it's a Grammy. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a Beatle. What can we give him an award in? Yeah, it's kind of like the right. the Marwa Blues thing with George. Yeah, right. you know, and, and yeah. You know, if he, yeah, you know, if he appears, then he's just going to get bombarded with, you know, drug bust questions. Yeah. You know, when are the Beatles getting back together? Questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that that he can't stand. But um, so moving on to my birthday. Uh, in April 11th, uh, this would have been my, my seventh birthday, um, coming up, I'm sorry. Yeah. Coming up is released as a, as a single, um, going to number two in the UK, number one in the U S obviously though, you know, the U S flips it over to the B side to, uh, promote the, the live version. And then, uh, in the UK, you got the studio version. Um, Mark, we'll start with you. Um, Live or, or studio? What which one do you prefer? Um, probably at the time when it came out, I preferred the live one. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know this was the first time that a video changed my mind about a song. Um, oh, okay. Because when I bought that single, I wanted to throw it across the, the room. Um, <laughs> it was. I mean, I'm just saying it was. You know, I I it was the first McCartney sing. Well, other than wonderful christmas time which i think i've said before right. it's not not one of my favorites but still want uh, to throw it across the room yeah yeah but but coming up i just felt was you know lacking a really strong melody it was just kind mm-hmm. of uh novelty-ish almost and you know the studio or the studio one and so i didn't have a lot of love for it and okay then in may when saturday night live had you know did the remote uh, with Father Guido Sarducci over, yeah, in we'll get to that too MPL, in a minute. Yeah, but um, when they premiered the video, that was the first time I can say that a video changed my mind about a song because <laughs> that video was at the time was so amazing to see yeah, how right. they, you know, and it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And so, and they used the studio with that. So uh, after mm-hmm. that, I could sort of take it, you know. So, and now I, chi- I yeah. yeah, now I prefer the studio just because, you know. If if I have to hear the song, that's the one I want to hear. I don't want to hear the live yeah, one. It's the video that drove that song to number one. Yeah, you think so? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. think about it. It's pretty Certainly revolutionary you know, technology you know, for 1980. I, yeah, I, but I MTV's not there yeah, yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to agree with you on that one, Chip. Because yeah, I don't. I mean, one viewing on on you know Saturday Night Live and a and a 
you know, whatever other small video outlets at that time. I just, I don't think it would have had that kind of impact. Right. And, and the song was already on the way up. So mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I mean, the song, you know, it was what, May 17th, I guess, when the Saturday Night Live appearance was. Right. Yeah. It had already been right. out a month. So, no, I think it was already on its way up. I, I think it didn't hurt. And certainly it was a right. talking point. And, you know, the whole thing with mm. Paul looking like a beetle again. Right. Know, that was a huge, right. you know, deal yeah. that, oh, geez, you know, he's sort of yeah. broken that concept of the, that he hates the Beatles, you know, that now he's, right. you know, got his base on. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that that. Uh, yeah. So that those are my thoughts on coming up. <laughs> I think it's pretty Chip, cool. Were you, well, I was oh, just going to say more, Chip. I just think it's pretty cool that Lennon, Lennon really liked the studio one over the live one. He really liked which Mark you couldn't stand, but <clears throat> Lennon heard. He's like, forget the live one. I like the studio. John really liked the studio one, which I always found right. very interesting and, and cool that he liked. He dug that one, even though in America the live one was being pushed. Chip. I mean, were you surprised in the direction of, of coming up? I mean, the studio version, uh, you know, first hearing it, upon hearing it? After the edge of Back to the Egg, you know, kind of thought that he would consider in that, or can, you know, stay in that vein. Uh, mm -hmm. So it might have been a little surprising, but, you know, anything Paul could do no wrong for me in, in those days. So it was it was exciting just to see something new from him. So you are pro wonderful Christmas time then? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Okay, maybe not. Everything. So not everything. Not let me, everything let me, then. <laughs> let me flip back to something because I don't think I've told this story, but yeah, with, wonder, with wonderful Christmas time, I was 14 years old when that came out, and I had the same voice I have now. So I worked for a local radio station. I got my dad's hmm. permission. They signed off for me doing early work. So the radio station in this area where I live now, KFMO, I, a few months earlier, went in and started working weekends. And okay. I remember when that single came in <laughs> and nobody knew it was coming. It was just like, you know, here's this Paul McCartney single. Um, and I was so excited that I actually took the single home with me. <laughs> from the radio station <laughs> and i still have it to this day but um but yeah it was the, the the disappointment that i felt that was the first major paul mccartney disappointment i had i can honestly mm. say first like and and again i'm comparing it to happy christmas you know and what an amazing track that is and you put if you put that on right after Happy Christmas, uh, it, it it suffers somewhat by comparison. Yeah. So that was my first ever like, wow, I don't really dig this Paul moment mm. because I'd pretty much taken everything he'd given me up to that point, you know, and, okay. and said, this is, you know, this is great, even if in retrospect, some of it wasn't so hot, um, mm. except for wildlife. But we've discussed that. But anyway. So, in my view, that was when Paul started to do wrong. <laughs> was <a> second, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then when that was followed up with coming up, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on? What's here? going on here? Mm -hmm. You know, right? And that combined with the advent of John putting new material out, I'd already started to flip as, as Paul and John as favorite. That flipped it. <laughs> okay. When 1980 is when my allegiance shifted 
uh, from Paul to John. And it probably okay. also had to do with being 15 years old and, yeah, you know, oh, just yeah. if having a different mindset about sure. music and, and who totally you know. get that. But yeah, yeah, but anyway, so, so anyway, there's the story there. <clears throat> Wonderful Christmas time was the first chink in the armor as far as I was concerned with Paul. It's like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, not mm. digging this. <laughs> it's interesting. I never heard it on the air when it was first released. You certainly didn't hear it here on the no, air. No, not when here it was in St. Louis because I bought a copy. You know, at the, at the used I stole shop. mine. I stole Maybe. our copy. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't going to hear you, it on the air here. You repurposed it. Mark. I repurposed it. Right. You repurposed yeah. it. It was a. The amazing <laughs> thing is, is that, I mean, this is such a big money maker for him now. It's the, oh, it's yeah. the one he makes the most money off of. Oh, yeah. Money the off of. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. You know, ain't it the I way? I think it's. Yeah, I mean, I think they estimate it's you know five hundred k to a million dollars, you know, every year, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, which is you know just amazing when you think about it. Um, well, it's it's simple, and yeah. it 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 takes you know it 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 it's appealing to a certain crowd, and right that yeah. crowd made it very popular. So bless their hearts, right. Yeah, yeah, true. And plus, I mean, listen, I mean, just it, the the just the word simply or the line simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I I, I mean, I think that's kind of universal in a way too. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it's something that you know we uh, hopefully we all strive to have. You yeah. know, we all want to have a a great Christmas time, right? You know, sure. so I I think he's just like, hey, look, I'm putting out a little bubbly Christmas song, nothing more, nothing less. If you like it, great. If you yeah. don't, that's fine too. And that, yep. I think that's his attitude with it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. So a month later, May 16th, uh, the album McCartney two, uh, is finally released. And, uh, you know, he's, he's talked about this on, on interviews throughout 1980, you know, where, you know, he was just, you know, rented this, rented the, the, what's the machine with the, the, the synth, uh, was it that he rented for two weeks and ended up re- renting it for three weeks or six weeks. That, that was the multi-track machine. The multi-track machine. Thank you. Yeah. Rented. Yeah. And, uh, you know, played it for people and they said, well, if you remove this track and remove that track and then you have your next album. And, um, you know, he's talked about it a lot during this time because he does do quite a few interviews for the, you know, promote, you know, a bunch of promotion for, for McCartney too, but released on May 16th, again, number one in the UK, number three here in the States, which, you know, for me, you know, listening to how different it is to, to back in the egg and then how much higher it does, you know, it does better, you know, chart wise than back to the egg. I mean, kind of a surprising, you know, well, with how different, you know, it, it sounds, but, but again, it had a hit single. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It had a hit and back to the egg right. did not. And there yeah. you go. And right. in the end to have the single that you, that most people wanted to hear, you had to get the specially inserted one-sided coming up live that was inserted into the copies right well do you guys know if there were any issues of that album that were made with before the the 45 was thrown in no or they were always just they were always made with that yeah they were i bought that day of release and it came with it yeah it did okay i was always wondering about that yeah yep that like if there was demand yeah it was all we want to hear that but they just said they knew this was going to be a hit so throw the live version in there too, just so people had it yeah Yeah. oh can you imagine mark you know (laughs) this is was uh Coming up number one when McCartney 2 was issued? It hit number one in June. Okay. So very okay. close. It was not number one yet. Yeah. Now, the question I have then is, is now if you bought the the album with the single in it, does that also count? 
towards the single being bought as well? I mean, does it help the the chart? Not at that, back not at that time. They probably would have figured point. out. A, they would have figured a way to make that happen now. Okay. <laughs> or in You're the last twenty years. Right, but no, at that time right. it was just look. You know that that was strictly a a marketing. We we okay. And 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 a way to keep people from complaining when they bought the record and it didn't have the thing they were playing on the radio. You know, no, I, so. I know we were just wrapping up the like the Columbia stuff and so disappointing, but and I know it's Paul McCartney, but the sales of Back to the Egg and McCartney too, it's not like they were bombs. They they he did good business for Columbia with those two releases and Wonderful Christmas Time. You know, he but was they selling records, but they weren't number one. They were number eight. They right. were number three. And right. look at how quickly they dropped off the charts. There weren't mm. multiple singles off those records either. So I mean, no. you, you know, right. I, and you look at the fact that. You know, we're probably getting ahead of ourselves, but like Waterfalls, the second single didn't even chart. So you had a number right. one single and then you had a zero. Nothing. Single, you know, yeah. right. So, yeah. um, you know, as those out that album, you know, the only album that did well for Columbia was Tug of War. Tug of War. Because the piece did all right with, with the Michael. Uh, well, did, just have, a you single, the, have you looked at the chart position of Pop yeah, Peace? Yeah. What, yeah. what did it do? Well, there you go. Okay. Tug of War hit number one, was yes. number one for right. multiple weeks. Plus the fact that it had two singles that actually sold. And, mm -hmm. you know, so that was the only album that came close to what Columbia was expecting Wanted. to get yeah. from Paul yeah, McCartney. Right. And, yeah. and that Paul expected of himself. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't just the, la the dirty label. I mean, you know, Paul expect wanted success as much as anybody. And oh, so, yeah. so, yeah, so that's why, you know, Back to the Egg, was the lowest charting album he'd had since wildlife 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 yeah so yeah. you know you so you have to look at that and and you know him thinking well that was no, nobody liked that record because it was it didn't do right. what it was, you know so you know it's, it's a great record 40 plus years hindsight it's it's so easy to just say oh it did put it but about the time and you guys were both remember yeah. it was no, like it a was, disappointment yeah it was like wow this is album is not doing well and you know you had mm -hmm. none of the singles hit above number 20 off that record they didn't if they'd have put goodnight tonight on it yeah. which you know um like they did, you know, with Helen Wheels on Band on the Run. If they'd have put Goodnight Tonight, might have gotten a few more sales. But yeah. Paul was very, mm. you know, he was Adamant no about, way, yeah. which is yeah, understandable because right. it doesn't fit on the record. But, but it's interesting, yeah. even with McCartney two going to number three, like you said, Mark, it was charted and then it just died, it died just off died the vine. So real if quick. you look at charts in retrospect, you think, oh man, that was a huge hit. Well, it was for a little bit, but it's like all well, most of the Beatles solo albums in the seventies, same deal. You look at those chart positions, like. You know, Mind Games hits number eight or whatever, but it, it falls like a stone. Um, right. You know, after most of George's records, Dark Horse, Extra Texture, all did well, but they all fell quickly. And quickly. You know, um, you just didn't have, also, it's just different marketing at that time. You know, right, album, right. artists put out an album a year back then. So you didn't have these, you know, five singles off a record. Right. Then you, you one or two and then it was done. So, And it wasn't always a guarantee they were going to like today where, you know, we all buy this stuff that first week, you know, and it gets right. its highest chart, you know, position mm -hmm. and then it starts falling. Whereas right. back then, you know, it would, you know, it would gradually, you know, rise on the charts. Sure. Which is well, really... radio meant a lot more back yeah. then, you know, I mean, true, in terms true. of true you know, more stations would add the singles or the album or whatever, you know, format right. they were. And you'd 
gain more sales as a result of that. Now, mm-hmm. and really for the last 20 years, it's all right. it's all based on that first week. What's it going to do right What's out of the gate? What's it going to do right out of the gate? Yeah, right yeah. out of the gate. Yeah, interesting how that was. The next day, um, Paul and Linda appear on SNL. This is May 17th. And this is one of the very first things I remember ever seeing of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> um, you know, because what, what one day they, they show the coming up video and they have a somewhat funny interview with uh, Father Guido Sarducci. Uh, were you guys, was uh, SNL guy on your, um, was this oh, something yeah. you guys watched oh, yeah. back then? Every single time? Sp- like Mark, you said, yeah. you said you were 15, what, 14, 15 back then? Yeah. Were you already watching oh, SNL yeah. at that point? Oh, yeah. I watched, I saw the first episode with George Carlin. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, because I used to watch the uh, Johnny Carson reruns that used to be on at that time on Saturday night. And oh, okay. they all of a sudden, those weren't going to be on anymore, and there was going to be this new show. And I love uh-huh. George Carlin. Um, okay. So, thankfully, I'd, as I've mentioned on the show before, very progressive parents uh, who let me listen to all kinds of things, and George Carlin was one of them. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I saw that first episode and was like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> this is unlike anything I've ever seen before." So, yeah, I was <laughs> I I watched it religiously every week. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Chip, how about you back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I saw the first episode, but no, it was, you know, that's what you did on Saturday night. Right. Of course, the funny thing is that was also that season was the last with the original last, cast. Right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, true. A little transitional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... Um, that interview with Father Guido Sarducci, I mean, you, you know, the funniest bits are asking him about, the, you know, obviously the drugs, you know, you know, would, 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 what was it? Would, have, would have the recording of the album take longer, longer. if he was on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. good As parts. Those things normally uh, don't yeah. go well. And I was, I was, I was, I laughed pretty heartily right. at that time. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. <laughs> Plus, the fact it was well, fascinating that it was, you know, at the time, I was like, "What is this building?" Because right, right, you know, that he's coming out of. He didn't have a, you know, that kind of an apartment in London. Yeah, but then mm-hmm. later on, finding out, oh, it's his business. It's where he's yeah. the MPL in Soho Square. So okay, yeah, all right. So that's where the interview was conducted. Yeah, they right. they cool. um they set up in the park Soho Square, which is the park okay right across the street from from right. where MPL is, and uh, that's where he came walking out of with with Linda. So. Mm-hmm. And then this was the first time that he appeared on SNL as well, so it was mm-hmm. kind of a you know a big deal if you were a Beatle fan. Sure. Actually, it was the first time. Well, it was the second time because second George time. then George. appeared in in seventy six. I think it was yep. forty six yeah. years ago today that that was. Recorded, yeah. So. Oh that. wow! Yeah, that ever was yeah, the other. Oh, that post. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, amazing. All right, so uh, McCartney too. Our uh, you know thoughts on that chip. Uh, getting it i mean did you get it on the first day it was released uh do you remember it, it was close i got a it would have been within the first month anyway i got a cassette deck finally for my birthday that year so mm. i remember getting it on cassette as opposed to getting the album okay. sorry yeah <laughs> did it have now now on the cassette did it have the live nope. coming up oh it no. wasn't on the cassette interesting no so there you go mm. so you missed out okay. buddy i did but but i did buy the single 
early on. And I remember it was Kansas City at, at Penny Lane Records. And mm. my sister got a copy too. And my dad could not understand why we each needed our to have copy. our copies. <laughs> ah, I love How it. little did they know that you are a serious collector here? That's Come great. on, Dad. That's great. <laughs> that is that is funny. Uh, Mark, you remember your uh, uh, McCartney two uh, buying yep. experience? Bought it at Record Bar in West County Center in St. Louis. The day it came out, I kept bugging them. That's what I did all the time. Is that you know because. You have release dates, quote unquote, like we have throughout mm. our book. But the fact of the matter is back then things were a little loosey goosey. Um, if, if if a store got a record in early. It was would, all down to distribution. They would. Yeah, they'd back put it out. You know, it wasn't. It, so, you know, if it was, it, it was one thing, if it was like a, a two weeks or three weeks. But if it was a few days, they usually put it out early. So I learned in about 77, 78, when I was 12, 13 years old, that I would call religiously every day did you get it did you get it yeah they hated me but it was like you know did you get but oh it's that beetle kid calling us exactly you got it you got it that's exactly what it was the beetle kid got a lot of cool stuff though thankfully as a release because i got all all the cool promo stuff but um oh excellent oh yeah yeah dating back to like 74 75 you know that's that's oh wow it helps being an annoying but see that's what you had to do back then (laughs) right because obviously there's there's no internet you you know you're not going to know when the release date is no you just hear that it's coming out and you know it's around this time so so anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah i I called every day and called every day i knew record bar usually got their stuff earlier than like peaches and some of the Mm -hmm. other stores in town so now, knowing that you heard Christmas, one of Christmas time didn't like it, and then yeah. buying that record, were you like, "This is more of the same crap," or I like this? You oh, you mean when I actually heard the record, or when yes. I was anticipating it? Okay, because when yeah. I was anticipating it, I'm thinking, "Well, it's a Paul McCartney album." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I don't care for coming up all that much, but then again, getting closer wasn't my favorite song off of Back to the Egg, so you know, I'm I'm going to look forward to some fantastic material. And mm-hmm. I would have given anything to have had a camera on my face when Temporary Secretary came on. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I remember sitting there with my headphones and I was just like, what in the f- is this? I was like, you know, and I, I'm thinking, is, is he, he's got to be just joking here, right? You know, I mean, this is just, you know, terrible for me at the time. I and mean, when I first heard mm-hmm. it, this, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, right. And, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, better things were, to, you know, waterfalls was like, okay, this is back to what I expect, you know, but okay. yeah, for the most part, yeah. I was just like, this sounds like a tossed off bunch of crap. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it about two more listens and I said, there are three songs I'm going to come back to on this record and I'm never going to listen to the rest of it again. Yeah. And it, and, I mean, that's funny because, you know, by the time I got around as, you know, being a teenager in, in the, the mid to late eighties, you know, by the time I got around to listening to McCartney too, like in the early nineties, maybe like 91, 92, you know, when I started, you know, getting my own money and, and you know, and, you know, spending it all on this stuff i i mean i gravitated towards temporary secretary i thought (laughs) it was amazing you know i just thought i just thought that was like just the coolest thing but i can kind of understand where in your in you know in real time 
you know, for, for people. Chip, maybe you too, you know, um, you know, hearing temporary secretary for the first time and just being, you know, puzzled. I mean, I mean, what I was, were your I thoughts was, on that? I was more, pu- I was more pissed than puzzled, but, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, what is he, He's right. just having a laugh on me here, you know? Uh, right. Um, and it wasn't Chip, that, that I didn't get what he was trying to do, you know? Right. And, you know, I, I knew about sequence, you know, I was a who fan. So, you know, I knew about sequencers. I knew <clears> <throat> sure. O'Reilly and all that, mm-hmm. you know, Quadrophenia. I, I, right. I knew what he was, what he was doing, but it was like, it just, yeah, I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. So, okay. the tender age of Chip. fifteen. Chip, yeah. I love the album. Mm. Still, then and still. now, still, it's it's the yeah. spirit in which it was conceived. I mean, it's it's definitely McCartney too. You know, the the backing vocals might, you know, the cues yeah. might be off a little bit, and the mix might be wonky, and it, you know, it, it was definitely a homemade affair, and and. I think that charm's still there. Yeah, yeah. I love the homemade um, affairs that have good melodies that are and and you know and right. lyrics to most of the songs and you know that that mm-hmm. was my issue. It was not the homemade nature of it at all. You know, I you know I loved right. McCartney, um, mm-hmm. it, but you didn't love Queen of Core. Uh, all right, you know, I got somebody know. who doesn't like Queen of Core. Yeah, Thank that, you. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. The only way I had that album for years, because my dad bought it for me from my fifth birthday or something. The only way I had that record was on eight track. And the only way that you could get to Maybe I'm Amazed was to sit through Karina (laughs) Kroor all the way through. So... Talk about oh, because they had the... Because the way it was programmed. You didn't have... they, They used to have to program tracks differently on eight track yes so if you want yes. to hear certain songs on eight track you, you had to sit through that through. sucker exactly <laughs> so <laughs> so so with the exception of karina crore i love mccartney and always have mm. mccartney too yeah. i just i you know i now retrospectively especially considering some of the tripe he's released since um it, you know i i do like things like on the way <laughs> I like, right. you know, I, I did like one of these days. I thought it was a great song at that time. And oh, I think it's it was beautiful. a fantastic song. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, there's no excuse for things like, you know, dark room and bogey music. Bogey and, music. You know, and, and that, it, it, that, it, I just, I was like, no, sorry, Paul. I mean, this is not McCartney. This is, this is a, a, a definite down trip, but I respect your opinion, Chip, even if I don't agree. Thank with you. So. Now the outtakes from McCartney too. Oh. Some of the most oh my horrible God. stuff out there. Yeah. Mr. H. Adam. Mm. Yeah. Oogie Wobble. Blue Sway. Yeah. Blue, well, Blue Sway. <laughs> Blue Sway is what the orchestration isn't bad. Yeah, but that that was with a lot of work done to it. And even then, mm. it was like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. What were the lyrics, Mark? Blue Sway, Blue Sway. I, I told you Anytime about it. Yeah, the other day, I, it's, I, I tried to Listen, banish it from my memory. Blue Sway. Yeah. Right. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So you, you mentioned Waterfalls earlier, Mark. Uh, that gets a release on June 13th. Uh, number nine in the UK. And yeah. but like you say, um, didn't chart here. It was officially 109 here in, in the US, which makes that the first single with McCartney's name on it, whether it's McCartney, Linda, and, and Paul, or Wings, that actually doesn't chart. And it's actually 
breaks the streak because I think everything up to that point went top 40 for for Paul um, until yeah. until Waterfalls, I believe. Chart? What's that? What's that? Seaside Woman chart. Well, but that didn't go out under. But right. see, that didn't go. Yeah, that yeah. didn't that well was Linda. Yeah, right. I'm not counting that or the country hams. No, you know, no, really. Every, you're you. right. Everything. Yeah. Every other single hit the top four. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. No. And, yeah. So, and that's and that is one of the great mysteries. I will really never understand. I'm not saying it should have been even a top ten record over here, but um, mm-hmm. how you can go from a number one single, and mm-hmm. and that's the most McCartney sounding song on that record. So. I, 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 never forty two years. I've never understood right. how that right. that single could not have charted. But right. it just didn't well, get he any says in, right. He says in interviews is that that was the really the only song that was you know worked on prior to um, recording McCartney two. Mm-hmm. I mean that was really the only um, song that you know, was actually kind of realized it's, everything else is, was pretty much ad-libbed at the time mm-hmm. yeah that's the song that the, 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 the that's one of the great mysteries that it didn't it didn't do better because it's really one of lyrically and melodically one of his best and yeah i know he wanted to add you know, if he was going to add any more orchestration to it maybe that would have helped i know he said that's one of the songs he could have done added some more to it orchestration like a george martin style effect to yeah. do that but mm-hmm. you know i know there was a single edit of waterfalls which is a little bit shorter like the video edit which starts mm-hmm. and maybe that's a little more commercially but you know maybe they mm-hmm. think it's just too slow it's too maudlin it's yeah. too you know maybe maybe that's why it's hard telling but yeah that was a big yeah. surprise like i said for it to just not chart at all is yeah pretty astonishing um right and it was uh, hard so finding that single at- actually with the picture sleeve i do remember that i had to yeah. scour oh, the stores okay. that sleeve for the was hard sleeve, to find yeah. for the that picture sleeve okay tough yeah. to find okay. Yeah, I need 
every minute of the day and it wouldn't be the same if you ever should decide to go away don't run So while while June while um, Waterfalls is out in June, then in June twenty eighth, I think that's when Coming Up actually goes number one. Andy, was that yes. uh, June twenty eighth? Yes, sir. So yeah, and then when we had Juber on, that's when he was saying that the Wings, you know, U.S. tour should have been taking place. So to kind of like with, on the right, yeah, to capitalize on that, like they did in seventy six with the Silly Love Songs being number one during that tour. You know, coming up being number one would have been the highlight for an American for that, tour. That, yeah, the American tour. And um, had you guys to France to work yeah. with Ringo instead of instead of instead going of that? Yeah. But before we get to that, were you guys already going to concerts by that point in time? Um, nineteen eighty. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Because yeah, I you saw know, several. I saw Queen later that year. September nice. of eighty. Did, did you ever see the Who with Keith Moon, Mark? I never saw them with Keith Moon. I did see The Who in 1980 um, in April of 80. Oof. That was the first time I got to see them. So. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, moving on then to uh, to July. Um, uh, I was just listening to one of the 1980 interviews uh, this morning, and the guy, you know, the, the interviewer asked him, what's next for you, Paul? And he just talks about uh, recording with Ringo at the uh, Super Bear Studios in France for, at the time, it was called Can't Fight Lightning Sessions, right? Um, and this was the first sessions for for that, the, what ended up becoming Stop and Smell the Roses, right, guys? Yeah. Right. So you wrap up here today, and what comes next? Uh, next, I'm going to do a bit of recording with Ringo. He's asked me to uh, produce a couple of tracks for him, and... So I've written him a song, and we're going to France. I'm going to have a few days recording there. That should be fun. 
Now, of course, you've led me there right into asking the forbidden I was trying question. to lead you to that question, oh, actually. Yes, yeah, so we get it out of the way. How can it be that you want me to ask you the question that you dread? That I dread most? I don't know. Kevin Keegan question, you mean? <laughs> All right, let me ask the question. Since you and Ringo are going to record together, is it going to be so much of an extra effort to bring in the other couple of guys as well? You know what I'm talking about. No, no, no. See, the thing is, like, um, for a long time now, you know, the Beatles have been split up. And, um... Just the way things are, like certain ones of us like playing together and stuff, but uh, for instance, I don't think John would ever be interested in kind of getting the group back together again. Uh, and the four of us individually wouldn't really be interested in doing it, just because it's, you can't reheat a souffle, as someone once said. Three of us got up at Eric Clapton's wedding, uh, with Eric and Ginger Baker and a, a bunch of loonies. Um, but you know, we've never played the four of us together since we split up, you know. Now, you ne he nearly, folks, he nearly didn't ask this question. He said, I won't ask that one. Now, uh, I don't think like this, I definitely know it's not on, you know, and it, it gets a bit boring every kind of few weeks kind of telling someone, you know, this, but I understand you asking that, but it's, it's not uh, anything that would ever happen. Well, let me ask you another unfair question. Would you like Wings in the course of time to be more famous than the Beatles? No, not particularly. I think the Beatles is as famous as I ever want to get. Uh, there's a lot of hectic life comes with that kind of thing, you know, and it's great being that famous. And when you're four kids coming down from suburbia uh, anywhere, you know, and you're hitting the big city and that, and uh, how it was in the 60s, it was great, it was really exciting, it was great to do. But I wouldn't want to do it again. No way. No, thank you. And with that, we say goodnight to the Kevin Keegan Show. Yeah. I'm trying okay. to remember when exactly the George sessions took place. Those would have been at the end of the year. That's right. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got here. Um, where is it? <laughs> oh, it's in the Ringo section. It's on the Paul section. But you guys do have, um, you know, Love's Full of Glory in here, which then those sessions were taking place. Uh, Paul produced five tracks, Private Property, Attention, Sure to Fall, In Love With You. You can't fight lightning, and then uh, loves loves uh, full glory, which ended up becoming for for Linda, and that was uh, July 11th through July 21st. Um, the songs. Now, I mean, the, the the bar was raised pretty high, in my opinion, for you know six o'clock. You know, I mean, the first song that uh, you know Paul writes for for Ringo. Um, I don't know how you guys feel the same way, but then you know. What pure gold? Then I think was what uh, was that Roto Gavure? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So maybe in my opinion, not as as good. No. These two <laughs> tracks, private property and attention. You know, I I just think they're middle of the road McCartney compositions in in my opinion. Yep. Uh, what do you guys think, Mark? I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's you know half baked stuff. I'm a sucker for attention. <laughs> I love that song. I, I think attention okay. is great. Is a great McCartney melodic song. I mean, mid, maybe mid tier, but attention. I could it, hear McCartney singing attention because right. mm -hmm. it's got that it's, kind of vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this on the other show, Talk More Talk. And for me, attention, it sounds just like an off, off, off Broadway opening number to a musical. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's just, Which he, he uh, certainly has a soft spot for that stuff. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. True. Would have fit but, perfectly but, on Pipes of Peace. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, now you just squashed uh, Andy there because Andy is oh. a huge Pipes of Peace 
guy. Yeah. But uh <laughs> the only record I absolutely loved it when I first played it, and every time I played it since it's kind of eh, a little less and less. Yeah. 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 You know, by the uh, time you get to hey hey, you're probably like, okay, I'm yeah. done with this. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, hey, All hey, right. get this off my turntable. Exactly. <laughs> Mark's like, get it out of here. Mm, 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 <laughs> the the track can't fight lightning. Was this Ringo? I mean, how did this track, you know, come to be produced by McCartney? Do you remember Chip or or Mark? I mean, was this something that Ringo had? Already, well, Juber along with him, he was the only Wings member, yes. I think, and maybe Howie That's Casey. Um, and I thought Can't Fight Lightning, I thought that was an improv in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's an instrumental, I mean, that's a right or write it off, yeah. anyway. right? I mean, right, mm-hmm. yeah, let's record I mean, because a we... torch, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because we do, I mean, it is part of the bonus features on the uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. Which that that ended up coming on the uh, the second Ringo's greatest hits, uh, yeah. Starstruck, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's the the bootleg for uh, that those sessions, Andy. It is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's on there then? Attention, private property. You've got a nice way. Waking up, can't fight lightning. Rack my brain. Dead giveaway. Brandy, you belong to me. And stop and smell the roses. Mm. That's what's on this. No. Oh, Brandy, is that the uh Harry Nielsen Brandy? Song. No, oh, that's okay. Harry Nielsen's song. Okay, it's not the hit single. No, no. no. <laughs> but yeah, this was the early the early lineup of the album. Okay. All right. So, you know, getting trying to get Ringo's career back on track. Um, the two songs, again, you know, not necessarily my favorite from from Paul, but it's it's nice to to see uh them they're working together, you know. Uh, George was was you know helped out obviously with rack rack my brain and then John was gonna uh, you know gave uh, Ringo a few tracks as well. What were the two tracks again, uh, guys? That John gave uh, Ringo was one of them. Was nobody, nobody told, told me, me, right? Yeah, nobody nobody told, me. told me. And uh, life begins, life begins at 40. 40. 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that album that uh, when does uh, what's that? Tom? Stop and smell the roses finally come out. Was that nineteen eighty? October of eighty one. Eighty one at the end of eighty one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, then they also record Love's Flow Glory, which for me, my money is one of the best things Linda ever, you know, sang or or, or wrote. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that track, but that was just more or less the backing track. It's not it wasn't really fully realized uh yet. But um any thoughts on that track, guys? Mark? I can't remember on who she went to work with. I, she worked with a different producer. It might have been Tony Visconti. Mm. I think you're right. Yeah, it was. She worked on that with so him. you've got yeah. that in the book there. You've got yeah. That in a subsequent the re-recording made in 1982 with Tony Visconti appeared on the Oranges uh, Cold Cuts Volume Two. Yeah, it was actually going to be a 12 inch Love's mm. Full Glory, and I've seen a mocked up copy of it. Really, I, I'm drawing a blank on what the other B sides were. Okay, but yeah, uh, the it, next it part. Was- it, Go ahead. It was under consideration. Okay. Yeah. Chart buster. Gotcha. That would have been yeah. a big one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, by this time, I think a Seaside Woman had already been released for a second time and uh, really didn't do anything because um, it got three uh, three uh, releases. Seaside Woman, uh, you're looking at, what, 77, 80, and then again in 84, I want to say. 86. 86. 
86. 86. Thank you. 86. Yeah, thank you. It's interesting, mm -hmm. though. All these these Linda songs, right, wanted to come out under some other moniker, Susie and the Red Stripes. They, he never felt enough confidence to say, just release this as Linda McCartney. You guys ever think about that? Why it came out under these various pseudonyms, Susie and the Red Stripes, all these other, you know, just release it as Linda McCartney. Because they weren't good enough to go out as a wing song. Right. You know, not under well, wings, not under Susie and the Red Stripes. I mean, it's interesting, you know. <laughs> Just put it out. Now, obviously, yeah. Linda passes, and then you get the album. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. interesting to think about. You know, yeah. Paul putting out Linda's material, yeah. and not yeah. putting it out under her own name, and just mm -hmm. putting it out. But then, her. but then, why? You know, Cook of the House. You know, you obviously you had you know Seaside Woman. You had Oriental Nightfish that could have you know slept in. Who, who's um, buying that? Who's the, buying that song? No, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm I'm saying put it on the, at the speed of sound. You know. Don't okay. give us cook of the house. Right. Are you gonna? I mean, are, are you gonna, Mark? Are you gonna buy Oriental Nightfish by Linda McCartney in nineteen? And if you if it came out, no. Well, right? actually, yes, I would have because I did buy pretty much everything that came out at that time. But <laughs> of course, but now like, that said, I would have listened to it once and filed done. a little, and that's right. it. But, so yes, I would have bought it with the unwashed masses. No way in hell. So, no. Mm. no, I mean they're good songs. There's one-off things like you know Seaside Woman and stuff, and Love's Full Glory. Yeah. I Love's Full Glory. I agree with you, Tom. Is the best of her stuff, and it's just um, mm. it's just very interesting to see how that's you know how he's handled that you know yeah right over the over the years. It's... All right, uh, let's move on to this part that I'm really curious to talk to you guys about, and this is the the home recordings ah. from uh, yes. Parkgate Studio Sussex, August of 1980. And you're, you're, you know, you're getting songs that would, would end up being, you know, on, you know, the next, you know, two, three, two, three records here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll call it, I guess, what the tug of war pipes of peace, you know, rude. kind of pre-sessions. <laughs> yeah, these are the, you these know? are the rude studio, these are the rude studio demos, right, guys? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And he was also so rehearsing several of those songs with the band as opposed to right. just doing them on his own. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's gonna take place in October, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, but you're yes. looking at like ballroom dancing, take it away, keep undercover, average person, dress me up as a robber, the pound is sinking, uh, sweetest little show, ebony and ivory, hear me lover, wonderlust, stop, you don't know where she came from. Um, you know, we all stand together. Boyle crisis, give us a chord. Seems like old times. I mean, that sounds like also working on cold cuts as well at that point, right? He, he was working on cold cuts in 80 as well. And yeah. it's, uh, as soon as he turned in the McCartney two tapes to EMI the next day, he started on cold cuts. So okay. I mean, this guy's always working. Right. Right. Seems like old times for me is up right up there with Water Spout and the canon of unreleased McCartney song that should have been out. Seems like old times is a, a great song and a great melody, and it's too bad. And that hasn't been issued. That didn't come out on any other bonus tracks on Pipes of Peace or Tug of War. That's we got all this other stuff. We all got all the, we got the Rude Studio stuff released on Tug of War right. archive, but not not seems like old times. But then we got it's not on, which is nobody knew about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, those would have been great movie theme songs, mm -hmm. which is, I think, the spirit under which they were composed. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, seems you like know, old seems times. Like old was, times, and, and what yeah. was the other one? Uh, um, same time next year. Yeah. Same time next year. Right. Yeah. And those, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it seems like old times was written specifically for that 
uh, was it Chevy Chase, Goldie Hawn? Goldie, right, movie. right. So yeah, yeah what's so, the what's the one that appears on Rock and Roll High School during the? Did old we meet, meet somewhere program? before? Oh, yeah. right. We meet somewhere else. Which was yeah. meant for Heaven Can Wait. So mm. and that's something we <clears throat> wanted to hear clean for forever. It's you know, are right. we ever gonna get to hear this song without the dialogue from the movie on top of it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And what you, you you do get quite a bit of that song. I remember people saying before I even seen Rock and Roll High School saying, oh, you only get a snippet of the song. Well, you yeah. actually get a good, you know, almost two minutes oh, yeah. of it during the opening credits. But then, you know, halfway through the film, you, you get you get a, get a little you know, more. smaller. Yeah. Yeah. yeah smaller it's, snippet. It's, it's been bootlegged as a full version. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah on plenty. cold cuts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But that didn't turn up until 86. Yeah. The, the... OK. Okay. Late 80s, 86, right. 87. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. when that first appears? Mm-hmm. Much, 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 much later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at the time, it was very frustrating. It was like, ah, I like right. this song. Well, there, I mean, there was a soundtrack for that for that film, right? right. Yeah, but it didn't come out. It was But it didn't it. appear. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember renting okay. the videotape just to tape the little bits of the song off of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually went to see it at the theater when it came out because yeah. I knew the song. Did you? Well, I was I liked the Ramones anyway, but I I mm-hmm. the bigger draw was just I knew that song was it. So saw it. Saw it was a midnight movie somewhere, probably along with the the kids are all right. And, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When when talking with uh, Juber, you know, during these during these sessions or whatever you want to call them, you know, he felt like these songs were more studio songs and not necessarily band songs if you if that makes sense you know what i mean mm-hmm. um keep songs that get, all these things yeah, yeah songs that get built in the studio and not really you know sound great as 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 a band like it would have been really interesting to hear some of these songs played live during that time if they did tour in 1980 you know if if any of these songs you know would have been you know like ballroom dancing would they ever done that live mm-hmm. you know how would that you know how would that sound you know average person pound is sinking you know it would have been really interesting but even though they don't come out for another you know two years um you know during this time of of these sessions um you know you i'm sure mark chip and mark i mean you got to listen to these bootlegs got to listen to um you know how these were and i think they're even on youtube as well you can you can go on there and see for yourself how you know different they sound from wings as opposed to what they ended up on you know tug of war and pipes of peace yeah yeah i mean george martin's influence on right right well and that's the reason that you know by all accounts george martin was not uh completely bowled over by that tape of demos Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and he specifically said, go write some more. So, um, and, <laughs> and build on he... what you've got, you know. So that's mm. why you didn't have things like give us a corduroy or boil crisis or, you know, right. like, you know, those, those things were jettisoned pretty Elbowed. quickly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Once George Martin said, you know, okay, these we, and you, I think you can also infer that, you know, there was sort of a first tier and second tier of songs. I think tug of war was always going to be seen as the statement and pipes mm-hmm. of peace or whatever the second was going to be. It, uh, I remember at the time people right. were saying it was going to be tug of war too, you know, that, oh, that was, mm-hmm. you know, hug for um, love. yeah. Oh God. So yeah. <laughs> God, it wasn't called that. Yeah. So, I mean, but a lot of those, what could be considered lesser tunes from that demo tape 
things like mm-hmm. Sweetest Little Show and so forth ended up right. on Pipes of Peace. But yeah, the lesser, right. yeah, it's just, yeah. Right, but he still hadn't written things like Somebody Who Cares. He hadn't written, yeah. um, you know, True. obviously Here Today. Um, right. So, yeah, the, some of the strongest tunes on the record came later after came, came George, after George yeah. heard the demos. So. Right. Yeah, right. and then you know, obviously, you got you know, pound is sinking. You know, getting mixed in with "Hear Me, Lover." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which you know, I, in my opinion, you know, he's one of the best at adding you know, two, three songs and, and making that's, them one. All one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, then, we're moving on to uh, September fifteenth, "Temporary Secretaries" released, uh, unfortunately, in the UK only. Uh, maybe, maybe, fortunately for for Martin Mike's opinion. Well, but. <laughs> But yeah, I ordered it. Side. I oh, ordered it. Now you had to get that okay. as an import, right, Mark? Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. See, that was going to be my question then. Is this like, okay, back then, I mean, you, you just find out that it's a UK only release. Now you have to go through your record store in order to for them to get it, right? right. I mean, you have right. to order yeah, it just, specifically. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I had, you know, there was a, a shop that I went to all the time that I ended up working mm-hmm. for. And uh, they just knew anything that was Beatles get it mm-hmm. in because mark will buy it and so um now mark when you got your copy of that did it have the picture sleeve? no it did not i had to no, get the sleeve right. later oh on. really that were imported to the u.s just came in this black black yes cardboard. just in a black sleeve. cardboard and i was not happy because i knew it came with a sleeve right so when they got mm-hmm. it for me i was like uh but i said well you were nice enough to get it for me i'll buy it from you but th- this was supposed to have a sleeve um, okay. So, yeah. So it, it wasn't until the next year's Beetlefest in '81 uh, uh, that I ended up getting getting it with the sleeve. With the so. sleeve, it's, it's interesting. Now, and what... Boy, that was adding insult to injury. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> oh, Having to buy sleeve. two copies of that piece of crap to get the sleeve. <laughs> but... now, now, what fest was that? Chicago, Mark. Yeah. Chicago's yeah, okay. fest. Now, back then, you go to your local record store and you wanted a record from the UK. How do they? How do? They, what did they just call a record store in England and get it? Like, how was that? How was no, that had, done? You had yeah, importers. Yeah, importers. Yeah, there were there were companies that specifically imported records from all over the place, from Japan. And okay. So you know, if I wanted, uh, you know, a Japanese copy of Double Fantasy, which I knew I did, I told them. I want that. They'd get it in for me and I'd pay mm-hmm. the inflated price for it. Um, gotcha. But yeah, so with anything imported, they just, back then it was just, they would get the lists from the importers. And a lot of times they just, they'd put it in front of me and say, what do you want off this? <laughs> and, you know, I always had, I always had DJ jobs going, even when I stopped being a radio, when I was out doing DJ jobs. So I always had money, unlike my, my friends. So um, I couldn't drive mm-hmm. yet, but I could, I could buy stuff. You could so. buy some records. Right. And <laughs> so, um, anyway, so yeah, that's, so that's what I would do. And I would just say, yeah, I want this, 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 this. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that they actually issued it in a chip in a black card, cardboard cutout first without the sleeve because I bought one well, a couple it, years ago just in the. Yeah. And I said, where's the sleeve? Damn it. It was but, probably like this, right? Well, without the imagine. label. You know, it yeah. was the punched out. To yeah, it was just black. Label, but it was just solid black. Yeah. yeah. Mm, but, yeah. But, but it wasn't that it didn't initially come in a sleeve. It's just that the copies that were exported to other countries did not have the sleeve. The ones right, in the okay. UK got had the, the sleeve. sleeve. So, so okay. that's why, you know, and yeah, that, that was, that was a big controversy at the time. I remember hmm. in the, in okay. the fan mags that existed that I would get. So. Hmm. 
the right now, thing. You got, yeah. Um, now in uh, October, which I think is what, um, Andy, you got uh, October 25th, right? 1980 in Kent. Yes. Um, you got rehearsals. You guys got his tug of war rehearsals here. Now, is that, was it actually that, or I mean, was tug of war still not really a thing just yet, right? But the, you war just labeled it tug yet. of war. No, it was sessions. Just, it was just, you know, rehearsals for the forthcoming album. You know, right. that, that's okay. But this is the, yeah. yeah, this is the material that's been bootlegged everywhere, which right. you can get on the Vigitone when it rains of pores stuff. And you yeah. can hear them okay. just going through take, you know, take after take after take of average person and keep undercover, which is what Juber right. said was like, what are we doing? <coughs> Excuse me. You know, what are we doing here? Just, you know, again, this sounds more like, you know, this isn't a band. This isn't like live band stuff. This is more, you know, like, like he said, Tom, like you said before. So well, interesting, interesting tracks that they did do work on. You know, Sheik of Araby, I think I, I find pretty cool. Uh, you know, doing uh, Blue Moon of Kentucky. We all know he loves that from the you know the early Wings tours. Uh, Movie Mag, which he ended up doing. I think that was for Run Double Run, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Cut Across Shorty. Uh, yeah. Interesting. You know, Johnny Be Good. Uh, but then you know you start you know getting. What's that? Sure, sure to fall. fall was among those. Yeah, that... sure to fall. Yep, there you go. Um, you know, Cage is still, you know, is still being worked on. Um, you know, Rain Clouds, which I think was the last McCartney Lane uh, composition. Mm -hmm. Right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, right. You know, 20 Flight Rock. We know how much he loves 20 Flight Rock. That's got to be a part of just about everything he does. Um, Cage. Or, or it seems like anyways. Yeah, Cage. Um don't forget you know, Lawrence's fantastic uh, "Lucky Day" song. Ah, <laughs> Lucky Day. I don't think I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Right. <laughs> Anyways, but um, but the real work, the 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 first work that's um that McCartney did with uh, George Martin. I know they had a little dinner where they agreed to work together again. Uh, George was adamant about, um, you know, the, like the quality of the, of, of the material, you know, pretty much telling him up front, look, if it's crap, I'm going to tell you it's crap. So let's, let's really, uh, hammer down and do some good stuff. But, um, during that point in time too, Paul usually says, well, it was really George Martin's, you know, wanted me to just do a Paul record, not necessarily a wings record, but I think that was more 81 though. Right. Or <coughs> I don't when know that when that comes out to the open, I think, yeah. But but the first thing they really work on together is uh, we all stand together, mm -hmm. which um, you know I don't know how you guys feel about that track. Again, that was a UK UK pretty much a UK only uh, release, but you did get it during the uh, the first the you know opening segment of of um, uh, the movie Broad Street, right. right? They played it. Yeah, they played. Uh, did they play it here? Did they play here mm -hmm. like that too, or was it just a UK thing? No, they okay. played it here. Yeah. It, it, opened, it was the opening clip for Broad Street. Right. right. It was the, well, it was okay. like the the cartoon before the movie. Right. It was but the single wasn't didn't get airplay here. No. Well, no. it didn't even come out here. It was. It no. wasn't released as a single here. No. Right. But no. um, and I think with that track, you know that that that's a perfect example of Paul composing something custom. For, right. mm -hmm. for for an animated feature and it works perfectly for that and i think if you take it out of the context from that you're right looking at it as a pretty slight piece of work but i think that you know it works beautifully for for that mm -hmm. and 
it's certainly you understand George Martin's influence in that production and and mm-hmm. how he really made it sort of come to life and especially yep. when you hear the demo of it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that was a perfect, uh, in some ways, a perfect way for them to start, even though it ended up right. being the last thing. The right? last thing, right? So they, um, that was the starting point of right. them reconnecting, and then ended up being the last. And then the last thing, thing released, released, right? Right. right. There's right. a neat. I don't remember if it's an alternate mix or, or a work in progress, or our second demo buried on that uh, in the bonus features of that McCartney animation DVD. Oh, okay. It's like it's like one of the alternate tracks that you used to be hmm. able to you know play this back with this version or, and mm-hmm. I don't think that ever got really widespread. Oh, hmm. that that was on there. Mm-hmm. All right, I have to go back and look at that. I have that DVD. It's been right a while. Here. I got to. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, this really shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that he would put out a song like this, knowing his. You know, yeah. you know, with with Yellow Submarine, and then and, you know later finding out that you know working on songs for you know you know Rupert the Bear, mm-hmm. you know well, that, date, get, that you know, dates back to like 1969, 1970. He the, the Rupert right. stuff and mm-hmm. the, the the project and everything that he wanted to do mm-hmm. for Rupert. So mm-hmm. that those are those are those were themes and ideas that were in his head for years. Sure, you know the whole Rupert yeah. project. You know, going back to let it. You know, really the end of the Beatles mm-hmm. and working on it at the beginning of this. Well, show. thinking it was going to be a feature. And then so mm-hmm. that's where things like, you know, sunshine sometime, and, you know, right when the wind is blowing, right yeah. those kinds of tracks that yeah. that he. You mean Cohen? Sort of, the wind is blowing. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, those were all sort of earmarked for that when it was going to be a, a feature release, mm-hmm. and then by the time, you know, it all was said and done, they just did mm-hmm. the little short. But right. that was right. the perfect song for it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so early, early, probably first week of December, the actual, I guess, tug of war sections begin. Right. I mean, we're looking at uh, ballroom dancing, keep undercover. Um, the unreleased, all the love is, uh, is there. Oh, to koala bear rain clouds. Um, that stuff actually, you know, begins to take shape. Unfortunately, brought to a halt on uh, December 8th. Um, when when Paul finds uh, out earlier in the morning, well, the ninth you know, really, but for him, on the ninth really, you know, that uh, that Lennon is 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 gone, which kind of books ends the year with with you know kind of like bad press because uh, just because of the one line, uh, you know, uh, it's a drag in it, um, yeah. you know, which. I, wasn't he? The, I but, think that we was he was recording rain clouds that day, yes. right? Is that that yeah. was rain clouds? That was the last recording he did for that year. That was it. They, okay. He just wanted to get in, get out of the house and into the studio. And right. Uh, so right.
Yeah, and, which I and, think people question. Why would you, you know, I mean, if your best mate, you know, passes, you know, why would you, you know, leave the house? Why would yeah. you just go to work? You know, and but they, again, they don't I mean, understand Paul McCartney. If they don't, if they, if they don't, if they're if they're asking that question, you, because it's right. exactly the kind of move he would make. Yeah, instantly. It's like when yeah. his mom died. It was just he yeah. just switches on and says, "Okay, well, what, yeah, are we, Linda, what are we doing next?" Same right. with Linda. You know, getting into the studio mm-hmm. right away and finishing up her album, and you know, right. Uh, he, yeah, that's the way he, he heals is through work. So we right. all, yeah, we all deal with loss, uh, differently. Yep. Yeah. And, um, go ahead. But uh, no, I was no. going to say that, you know, Patty Delaney who played the, the uh, on Pipe. rain clouds, pipes right. on rain clouds, mm-hmm. he was in Ireland that morning. Yeah. He, he flew it. over and he had to, fl- and he was like, am I going to come in or not? So he had to get. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have right. the session come going. So he flew to London, you know. Yeah, played on the uh, session and and then flew back, you know. So yeah, so we're you know hmm. definitely you know where work was this work you know, that's that's the McCartney mo. Just, mm-hmm. You know, let's you know this is this sucks, but we're gonna soldier on and go through it. Yeah, and deal with this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know he was with George Morton, so obviously that was gonna work. So um, and it's interesting but, that was the first B side he issued after. That, you know, John, oh, yeah, yeah, awesome. you know, so yeah, it was I the first, wondered first... if that was sort of a you know, a nod, I don't know, but yeah, mm. it was the first B side, yeah, that's very interesting that it was, yeah. that it was worked on and you know, mm-hmm. first B side to come out was on yeah. the Aberdeen Ivory, sure, mm-hmm. right? Here in the States, when we see something, you know, I guess you know, British slang or, or the way the Brits, you know, phrase things. You know, it's a drag in it. I mean, do we take it differently here than they take it over yes. there? We're more sensitive mean, here. I think yeah. that that was the ultimate and passive aggressive behavior from Paul. Hmm. He was angry okay. that he was being yeah. ambushed. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, the last thing he wanted to do was have to answer flip questions, and you know, you can see it in his face. Yeah, it's just right. it, it, he's you know, aside from just being incredibly sad, he's also pissed. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, anybody who's watched any variety of Paul being pissed interviews, whether it's with Gene Siskel or whether it's with, you know, you can see the, the slitty eyes and, the you know, I mean, he, he there's a certain mode he goes yep. into and mm-hmm. that's what he's in. And so his thing of saying, yeah, drag, it, it, it's the ultimate understatement and it's 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 classic passive aggressive. I hate you for asking me these questions, so I'm going to give you mm-hmm. the ultimate flip answer to your stupid question to your stupid question yeah. idiot yeah but unfortunately it back but and then unfortunately it totally backfired on him and it made him look like you know he didn't care or that he was you know heartless or whatever well, but, people don't know people don't no. know that's how mccartney no. is no exactly totally misunderstanding the whole point so. and the british chip press ran with it well of mm. course which they always would they exploited you know, yeah. it right right mm. Yeah. But he got he got flack for it over here too. So you know, yeah. It, it, yeah. well, yeah. You know. But you know, the first if you say if you ever say the first thing that comes to your mind, you know, during a loss of your you know whether family member or you, you it's not really a well thought out you know statement. No. You know what I mean? No. But again, I think in some ways, obviously, you've been thinking and dealing with this for the whole day up to the point because mm. he was leaving the session when he was asked. So, you know, it was night. And right. so I think he just 
had had it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those guys being down there doing the British press thing uh, mm-hmm. was was just, again, he just said something that sort of like undercut the moment. And it stuck for a long time, unfortunately. You know? Yeah. Mm. So. Gotcha. Uh, an interesting release uh, came out on the on that day as well, which uh, which uh, is the uh, the McCartney interview, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, which came out December fourth, I believe, here in in the U.S. and I think it came out in eighty one for for British uh, market, but uh, conducted by Vic Garbarini earlier in the year for Musician Magazine. Really interesting interview where I mean, really opens up um in this interview i mean i don't know remember i don't know the last time you guys listened to this no i, this I used interview. to listen to that i listened to that a million times because i actually had a promo yeah. copy of it because that came out okay. as a promo in like maybe august july okay. or august of 80 because it was a two record mm-hmm. it was a two right. record one oh, had, it was two records yeah one had the complete interview the other one just had his answers oh, um, okay and mm-hmm. so you know i used to make my own radio show up Mm-hmm. <laughs> by putting in the tracks from the records where I thought so that's sort of the way right. I spent later that summer in. But mm-hmm. um I thought that you know it was a great interview for the time. And you know, mm-hmm. it was like he was one of the more honest interviews he'd ever given. I'm I'm pretty amazed right. it came out commercially, but I think it was just um the fact that radio stations were playing it in whole, mm-hmm. which they did in St. Louis. I know I don't know, you know. Oh um, wow. But I think created a, a demand for it ironically i mean the reason the thing sold as well as it did was it got caught up in the whole buying yeah. anything beatles lennon yeah, anything that, related I, after that and it was brand new it was literally been released mm-hmm. a few days before so um so it did pretty well considering uh yeah you know, considering limited all, release all, though too chart, right. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> this album of all talking is you know gonna chart so <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, yeah. Um, but uh, it does get nominated for a Grammy the following year. I did get to talk to the Vic Garbarini of, of about this uh, interview. Uh, we had an overnight session that lasted eight hours on the phone. <laughs> um, he's a colorful character, uh, Vic is. Um, but interesting thing. I mean, his, his whole experience, you know, going to uh, the MPL you know, in London and, and getting to see the, uh, the, um, the studio down, down below in the basement, you know, of, of uh, what studio two at Abbey roads. Um, at Abbey road. Replica. So, replica. Yeah. The replica. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just getting to hear his experience was, mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, another work. interesting. Always liked his yeah. work on musician. Musician mm-hmm. was a great magazine. It'd be nice yeah. if he, yeah. he knew the date of when he recorded it. That's something we never really yeah don't know. Uh, right, we knew it was May of eighty, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. He, I, yeah. When I was talking to him, he didn't really remember a specific uh, uh, date as well. So, but but still, an interesting one that that people should you know check out. Again, mm-hmm. it's on yeah. YouTube. Uh, you can still find it at that you know used record stores or you know oh. there are a dime a dozen on eBay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know as well too. So, so definitely check that out. Um, so, anything else you guys want to add? I mean, that's pretty much 1980 right there. I mean, anything you guys want to? Chip didn't you know, add actually, on the year? Chip didn't he actually do a little more work on cold cuts? Yes. at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean that was he did do some more assembly work. I think for cold cuts and okay you know, after taking now, like a week or so off. But. Right now, was that? Chris Thomas, or because I know Chris Thomas did work with him, but was I think that was in '87, maybe. 
Chris Thomas Chip. to Back to the Egg. Yeah, I know that, and but I, I know he also helped out with mixing of uh, mm -hmm. yeah, of cold me... cuts, but I think that was '87. I want to say. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. he pretty much had a completed version at that mm. point. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So you know, unfortunately, bookend book ended with you know with with some bad luck and some and some tragedy. But I mean, mid part there was some success. I mean, there probably could have been more success if they did tour, uh, you know, the U.S. But uh, apparently, I, I would guess then with that, you know, with the, the bust and that he he couldn't get a visa then to come back in the states to uh, to to tour to do a tour, right. um, you know, so. Unfortunately, that gave up. But uh, Andy, anything else you want to add to the to 1980? No, no, no. Good, good conversation. And uh, you know, yeah, a weird year for him, and one that will go down. Uh, <laughs> it'll go down in the history books. Uh, you know, as such. Um, again, not a lot of you know documented act professional activity in terms of releases and stuff, but enough to to kind of you know have a, an interesting tale to tell about what he did and what he worked on and. Obviously, with the bust and the passing of Lennon, it's going to be one of those years that if you look at a book, you're going to go, what the hell was he doing in 1980? Because, mm -hmm. you, want, you know, obviously with what happened. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Chip. Chip, again, you want to hold up that, uh, oh, that, yeah. that link where they can uh, yep. order the. Uh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You know, Lennonology.com to get the PDF uh, version of the book. And uh, if anybody out there wants to tackle the last 22 years plus, reach out. And then there's there's also and then yep. there is a book. Um, Chip, how about an update on Lenonology? Um, I had told myself that I was going to wait to make any decisions or do any serious work on it after uh, uh, my daughter's wedding, which was last week. So now I can't hide behind that anymore. I need to decide <laughs> what I'm really going to do. So, but if something that does come along, it's most likely going to be the sessions piece of it first, because I think that's what people are most interested in. Even though the the home recordings is probably more fascinating. Sure. Um, you know, start start with the session work and. Okay. Go from, go so, from there. But no, nothing, nothing planned yet. Okay. Uh, no delivery date. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, we could probably maybe twenty four, twenty five. Could be maybe. It usually you know. takes me about 15 years to pop them out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 15 years. Wow. Uh, so you're going the Mark Lewison route then, huh? Yeah. It's a, it's a race to see who can be last. 2030 right. then, in that case. Yeah. Yeah. 2030. So, there you go. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Mark, it was good seeing you again. Appreciate you. you guys. Thanks for the time. And Chip. Yeah. Yeah. For coming back on and talking about this this year, this weird year, like Andy said. Um, so, guys, please, uh, you know, check out the book if you haven't yet. I mean, hey, listen, you can always spend, you know, $100, $200 for the physical book on, on eBay. You know, that's, I mean, that's up to you. Are there copies still on eBay out there? Oh, I'm sure there are. I haven't sure looked there in a while. Yeah. yeah. Or in various other sources. But yeah, but go <laughs> onto the website and the, the PDF yeah. is well worth owning. There's some yes. updated information. Great. We added stuff, took some stuff out that mm -hmm. wasn't right, added stuff that okay. was right in. And mm -hmm. 20 bucks is always better than two to $300 in my opinion. Yep. Well, there you we go. Bad words and put in 30,000 new good ones. That's right. And if you have to have it physically, go to a Staples, print it out, put it in a binder, and you there got it. There you go. It. Exactly. <laughs>
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, how much is that going to cost? Uh, it's not, it's going to cost bit. more than 20 bucks. A little bit, especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, yeah. we're afloat. Exactly. There is a way. Where yeah. there's a will, there's a way. So yeah. thank you, guys. It was a pleasure having you on again. Thanks. Thank happy holidays, holidays, guys. Take good care yeah. of yourselves. So uh, you can find us, uh, Two Legs, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Two Legs Podcast. Uh, email us at twolegspodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, if you got any suggestions for future shows, we'd, we'd love to hear uh, your ideas. We're going to um, we're gonna have these guys back for another year in review if they want to. Uh, we did 75. I think, uh, Mark, you picked 75, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. I picked 1980. Maybe we'll let Chip pick the, the next year. Um, if he if he if he wants to, all right, and all right. uh, we'll think about it. Okay, and then, yeah, then we'll, Andy we'll see can... what happens with uh, the new McCartney book that's coming. Give absolutely, that a, like absolutely. A legacy book, you know, so mm -hmm. maybe something that's that's not covered in that we could we could talk about. Oh, it. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Good, good, good thoughts. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's installment of Two Legs. As always, great seeing you, and everybody out there, have a great day and a beautiful night. Take care. Thanks. Tom Hanyadi and Andy Nichols, with musical contributions by Dylan.